Commander Shepard has been recovered. The Lazarus Project will proceed as well. Lazarus Project podcast. This is episode six. We're a Mass Effect podcast discussing the game's characters, lore, theory, opinion, and everything else in between. The podcast is recorded live in the Ploppy 54 gaming Discord server. Feel free to come join us there to listen to the raw, unedited versions of all the podcasts and for all the details you need to know about future upcoming episodes. My name is Manning, aka That Cerberus Guy, and joining me today as always are Craig and Tim. Hello. But first, before we get into today's episode, as always, we're going to start off with a bit of news. Welcome to Citadel Newsnet. I'm Emily Wong. Well, the first bit of news that I've got is uh, from the, the Witcher 3, which is getting a free next-gen upgrade. And that's coming out in December. The 14th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's mostly tweaks to the the graphics i think isn't it 60 frames per second mode or a 30 frames per second mode with ray tracing there's heptic feedback on the ps5 there is uh bigger subtitle fonts i I have heard that they are incorporating two new armors based on the witcher series from seasons one and two and there's supposed to be a couple of new missions that you can go, new quests that you can take. Uh, but again, it's nothing overly intrusive. So if you have you, you played it before, it's not something that you absolutely must play. But if you're still playing it for the first time or it's something that you, you're thinking of picking up, then it'd be something to have a look out for. There's a few quality of lighters too, like cloud saves. And I think I read a couple more, but I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head right now. I, I think I know what you mean when you said about the new um, quests as well. I'm pretty sure they mentioned that it's... Did, didn't they say that there's an armor set that you can get and there's a mission associated with it, like a armor set inspired by the series and a quest associated with that armor. So you can do the quest to get the armor. That sounds about right, yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. Um does add something to the game which is nice yeah and for it to be free as well which you know they didn't have to do did they yeah i just hope that they don't raise the price just because of the update as well though i mean it's 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 nice that they are adding these quality of life things you know like um because you know there's really not much for people on the next gen consoles especially in like the xbox department and having a next-gen upgrade for any game is always nice to, you know, show off what the new consoles can do. Are either of you, I don't know if worried is the right word, but I mean, like, CDPR talked a big game and it sounds amazing. But I mean, as much as it's a perfectly fine game now, I think Cyberpunk is still kind of in every, fresh in everyone's memory. Uh, what, are you, what are you saying, sorry? Well, it's just like everyone... Remember how Cyberpunk was going to be the greatest game ever, and then it was so bad when it launched, Sony actually took it down. And I mean, like, it, it, they fixed it to their credit, and there's a, it's a perfectly amazing game now. But I'm just saying, CDPR, when they they talked this up, uh, upgrade, 
they talked a big game about it. And like I said, it sounds amazing. I'm just saying, I wonder if cyberpunk might still be in everyone's memories a little bit. Like if it might actually cause more problems than it fixes kind of thing. Are you saying the update will cause problems? Well, I hope it doesn't. I'm just saying it might. I'm just saying, look at how bad cyberpunk was at the start. And it wouldn't be the first time a company tried to fix something and ended up causing more problems than if they had just left it alone. To be fair, Witcher 3 started off not as bad as Cyberpunk, but it, it did start off pretty ropey. It wasn't a very smooth launch either. It's it's probably something that's like at least worth considering, but I, I, I do think that this is kind of their show of good faith to kind of <laughs> give them a bit more positive publicity and... I, I do honestly believe that, like, because I think this update was already delayed, um, or at least they were very, like, um, I don't know, they were they were intentionally being quite vague about information about the release, actually, and I think they did want to be sure that it was ready for whatever release date they gave it. And I don't know, that's just probably the optimist in me, but I like to think that, you know, they, they they really didn't want to say a date until they were sure that it was ready. I mean, to be fair, that, and the fact it's free is nice, but it's just, I mean, like, I'm trying to stay positive too, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but there's just, like, that little itty-bitty piece of my mind that's like, what if? Oh, yeah, and you have every right to be cautious, I guess, to, 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 to know, question it, because, as you said, like, Cyberpunk really was a buggy mess when it released and to be perfectly honest i'm still having problems with it and i'm playing on xbox series x and it works fine on pc i can't comment on consoles but i don't know yeah you, you have every right to be cautious or kind of question i mean know, it's like if... it's like gareth says i always expect the worst that way i'm never disappointed but there's a small chance i might be pleasantly surprised <laughs> oh, he's a Torian with the uh, full of wisdom. One thing I do think is quite cool, actually, is I'm pretty sure I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Tim, but there is a photo mode as well, isn't there? They're adding. Yeah, there I is, saw yes. that. Yeah, I think that's quite cool. I forget what they all were, but apparently there's going to be like three or four or five new camera angles too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're adding like a slightly zoomed um, camera, aren't they? And you can choose if that zoomed in camera is used when you're riding a horse or just walking around. And I think it adds a, a bit, I mean, I don't, I guess not, I think replayability is a stretch, but it adds a bit of, I don't know, variation, I guess, that keeps things interesting if you want to play different ways throughout your playthrough. All I know is I watched the guy, I watched the video on YouTube talk about it, was he was saying that his general gist of what he got, um, was like he's like if you're one of those people who's like put like five six seven hundred hours into the game and you know where everything is just he's like just walking around the map is going to be a lot smoother and more seamless and hopefully with no bugs or glitches or anything yeah but at the same time if you poured that many hours into it there might not be enough new content for you to want to play the game again i don't know i mean if you add up the time i've spent in the four mass effect games it's something like 18 or 19,000 hours. So, I mean, and I still go back and play. <laughs> the thing, I, I, I'm right with you there. Like, I actually have more hours in Mass Effect 2 than I do Skyrim. 
which is a bit sad to be honest but it's it's literally the reason why i only done one or two playthroughs of the legendary edition because i've already played mass effect 2 so many times that's funny that you mentioned that because the exact same thing happened to me right before the legendary edition came out i was like i started a brand new playthrough because i'm like i'm gonna get I'm going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And then I'm going to get back into the mood. And then the legendary edition is going to come out and it's going to be amazing. And then the legendary edition came out and I played seven hours. And I was like, I kind of don't want to play this again. I just did this like last week. (laughs) (laughs) I was exactly the same. To be honest, I still haven't finished my legendary edition um, playthrough. I I literally had, had done an entire trilogy run to get all the uh, game footage just before it uh, had been released. I'm like, oh, I'm totally burned out on it. One thing I do love about Legendary Edition, though, is it's, it has actually brought a lot of new fans to the game series, though. Because, I mean, it was such a mess in terms of, like, who could play it on what previously. I mean, obviously, PC players could always play it. But um, PlayStation players, I don't think, could play Mass Effect 1. No. Or something stupid. And... um I don't know, I guess I guess Xbox players kind of always had access to the three games, but I just think it was stupid that PlayStation players could only start on two. And I don't know, like there was all those different things like um, the fact that you had to buy this DLC, that DLC that was improved with the Legendary Edition as well. And I think, you know, you look at three's DLC, I don't know why we're going on this rant actually, or ramble, but <laughs> um, the fact that three packaged all of that DLC that should have been in the original game, like, certainly benefited the series, I think. And anyway, if we're telling it back to the original subject well, of this, to be case, fair though, <laughs> you can go, you can buy bundles of DLC. You, I mean, it's more convenient that they just threw all of it in anyway. But I mean, it's yeah. not like you had to buy every single individual dlc one at a time so you say that but i'm pretty sure um i got some kind of deluxe bundle or something a mass effect 3 on origin but i still had to buy the citadel dlc separately yeah if you buy so what that is if you buy the deluxe version of mass effect 2 then you get zaid and all the firewalker missions and if you buy the deluxe version of 3 then you get from ashes which is the javik mission um, I th- and I think you get the Krogan Warlord in multiplayer, or at least I did. I'm pretty sure you do get Leviathan, though. No, okay. Leviathan, I definitely remember. I had to, I had to buy myself. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Like all the people who are like 10 years old when the games originally came out are like in their 20s now, and they can finally are old enough to enjoy them and play them for the first time. And I know one thing I'll tell you, if nothing else about the Legendary Edition, one thing the Legendary Edition taught me from spending as much time on Twitch as I do is that apparently everyone hates Kai Lang, but also thinks he's the hottest person in the game. (laughs) I've not heard the hot comment yet. (laughs) You would not believe how many, like, 25-year-old girls who were playing it for the first time get the Citadel. Like, ooh, that guy's hot. Then he kills Thane and they immediately freak out. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to uh, the Witcher upgrade. There's a couple of other things here. I've just had a, a quick look on the old website. There's a Netflix style costumes also for Siri, Yentris, and 
Dandelion and the Nilfgaardian soldiers randomly. See, I'm quite happy about that because I, I, you guys can obviously lambast me for saying this, but my window into The Witcher was from watching the series. And I thought it was just so strange when I first met Dandelion in the games and he had that weird hat. And I mean, I'm fine with the voice, but the, the hat just threw me off in the weird costume. And I mean, the costume's not that different, I guess, but I don't know. The hat was really weird to me. I do think it's nice that there's a different customization option. Is that why you said he reminded you of my D&D character? <laughs> I don't know what your D&D character looks like. <laughs> no, but that was literally the first thing you said when I ta- told you about him. He's like, oh, he's Dandelion. No, no the whole thing about um, sex and being a bard made me think of Dandelion. There's also map filters, so you can remove a flood of the question mark symbols. Which, to be fair, when you you first open that map up and you look at it, it's like, wow, that's a lot of stuff to do. It can be quite overwhelming. That's so not that's really any different old. than Skyrim, though. Yeah, with Skyrim, you you kind of you don't get as many points of interest straight away. You kind of I don't know. You, you you seem to get a lot of the question marks quite early on uh, with The Witcher. Yeah, I guess, and to be, I guess Skyrim too. A lot of the stuff you stumble into. Yeah, and there's also cross save as well between the PS5, the Series X and S, and the PC, which is quite cool. Which I suppose is your cloud save, though, isn't it? But yeah. it's it's a bit of an odd hybrid, isn't it? It's like it's a it's like it's a regular update, but it's also not. It's also trying to be a bit of a remaster. But yes, that's all I've got for uh, Witcher 3. If we are traveling back in time, right, to when, you know, we recorded the last episode way back in Victorian times, it was October, late October, just after we'd done the episode or recorded it. The Dragon Age Dreadwolf milestone was hit, and we didn't get to talk about it, the alpha milestone. And I think it's very interesting, and it is worth talking about, I think because they say that it's now possible to actually experience the entire game. Their actual blog said, well, the, the person writing it says, my favorite part is the characters, where the followers, allies, villains, they're woven into the games in ways that take concept. It's always been a part of Dragon Age's DNA. Stories about people and push it further than ever before. The characters help contextualize the world and stakes, and I can't wait until we're able to really discuss them in depth. And One thing that I do think is worth noting as well is the person writing it says, of course, the game is not finished by any means, but Alpha is the most important game development milestones for a number of reasons. We can now turn our sights towards bringing the visual fidelity to its final form and iterating on gameplay features. And the thing that really, the the, the part of that that really interests me is that this game is not finished by any means. And you can take that in kind of any way you can say, Oh yeah, that just means the game's nowhere near finished. But to me, it sounds like they've still got a ways to go, but they've made really significant progress in such a short space of time of the production phase. Because they started production in February, and this is October we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it got it got rebooted, didn't it? Oh, you you mean like sort of just built from 
the, the progress they made before February then? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's um I think it's been it's been rebooted about three times. So they've they've kind of used reused what they've already made, but they've they've changed direction with it. There was something I said to Manning where I speculated that it would come out next year. And you were like, and, and I remember you, Manning, you were kind of like, do you really think it would really be that soon? And I was oh, yeah. just thinking, I, I was just thinking like, if it's already playable, and I don't know, if, if, if they've managed to make this much progress in such a short space of time, I, I do think that it is possible it could be the end of next year. I'll say that there's a lot of work to get done. Yeah, a lot of work to get done in just nine months. Do you mean the work they've made, the, the progress they've made so yeah, far? Yeah, like February to now. Yeah, and so it, it's technically it's not not been just February to now because it has been it's been a good few years it's been in in production because uh, it was initially going to be a single player game. Then they swapped it out, and it was going to be multiplayer focused, and with a little bit of uh, single player on it. And then the whole multiplayer thing blew up with Star Wars, and Star Wars the Battlefront Two. No, yeah, that that blew up, and then what was it? The Star Wars game, the single Fall player. Fallen Order. Fallen Order, uh, that did massively well as a purely single-player game. So they, then they switched it back, going, right, we're not doing multiplayer, we're doing single-player again. And so this must have had something to do with it as well. So, yeah, it, it's been about three, four years in, in development. I, I do think Anthem must have well, had something to do with it. It has to be longer yeah. than that then, because Battlefront Two came out in 2017. Yeah, probably is then. It, yeah. They went straight from from um, Andromeda to Dragon Age Four. That was that's what their next game after. And um, obviously, because they needed some cash in between, that's I think that's why they they remastered the trilogy because they hadn't put anything out for a while and they needed you know a bit yeah. of investor confidence you know in ea saying look we can still make good games after anthem and and andromeda not doing as well as they expected it to well yeah it was it was just faith in the things you know putting faith in the things that they're familiar with something that you know i mean whilst the team's changed so much it's just to show like look this is our brand this is what we do let us do our thing kind of yeah. thing you know instead of Although, forcing them to, to do a looter shooter I don't. Were they really forced though? Because I was going to say Anthem was a Bioware problem, not a EA. Because I remember there were reports of like EA would like go over and like look at what's, and then they'd be like, "Guys, where's our game? You've been like farting around for six years." I'm pretty sure they never wanted to make a multiplayer game though. Because I remember. Well, be that as it may, it's like I'm sure you remember the stories about how. Apparently, like half the team didn't even know what the game was going to look like until they watched the E3 trailer. I don't know. Maybe it's just a number of things. I mean, it could be. Although I will say, if they made a Dragon Age MMO kind of like SWOTOR, I would play that. 
It was 2017 they first switched Dragon Age 4 to be multiplayer. And that's when Mike Laidlaw left. Because, yeah, Andromeda came out in March 2017. So it was it been right around then? Then New entry to the series was teased in late 2018. And later EA announced it wouldn't be coming out until April 2022 at the very least. Uh, that was this was back in oh, March of 2021. Yeah, in 2017, it switched to being multiplayer only. And then after the success of the Star Wars game and the fact that Star Wars had the multiplayer version had made such a massive, massive uh, mess up with games as a service route that uh, everyone was going down. They, uh, they've switched it back to a single player focused game. I will but say yeah, though that now, sorry, I say now they're in they're in alpha and the game's playable from start to finish. So it's going to be all the little things like polish, uh, adding like your codex entries, all the the nitpick, you know, bug testing and stuff like that. So I reckon it is going to be towards the back end of next year that it'll be released. Do you think the difference with like Anthem though, like? When, when when you're looking at Dragon Age, I think feel like Dragon Age Four was one that they had a setup for a plan from way back in that DLC in Inquisition, uh, Trespasser. Like they had set up the plot for Dragon Age Four way back then, so they still kind of had a bit of a roadmap for where that story is going to go. And that's the big difference there, I think. You know that whoever the team is, however much they've changed. They've got a plan in place that they have to follow. Careful, well, don't I, spoil that. He still hasn't played Trespasser. I still can't no. believe you have Tim. Please <laughs> just play it so we can talk about I, it. I need to get to it. I can't just pick up Trespasser. I've got to. I've got to go through the series. Yes, so, but how long has it taken you to finish Andromeda? I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> when was the last time you even streamed Andromeda? Do you want to talk about going back to the Victorian ages? <laughs> yeah, it's probably about a couple of months. You're gonna boot the game back up and spend like two hours trying to figure out what, trying to remember what you were doing. <laughs> I'm getting old, but what I don't understand is they've they've um, categorically said that you do not need to play Inquisition in order to understand the story of Dreadwolf, but Dreadwolf's all about Solus, from what I can gather. Trust so if you about Solus. if you've not played Inquisition, how are you going to have that connection to Solus if you just jumped in for the first if time? It would be like a Mass Effect 3 type situation where like you get dropped into the game and then they'll have some someone who'll be like an analog to James who will explain everything to you during the first couple hours. Oh, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, there is the keep as well. Isn't there? And to be fair, if we know Dragon Age, there'll be a lot of new characters. Probably more new characters than familiar characters. I should imagine Varric will be in it. I can assume that we will see... Uh, Dorian. Dorian, yes. I'm sure we'll see Dorian. It does make sense, really. Um, yeah. But anyway, I was just, just going to say that the whole the game's not finished by any means makes it sound to me like they're saying, now, now the game's not finished yet, but we have made really good progress, which just... I don't know. It just it sounds promising to me. Yeah. That's, that's why I interpreted it. 
um, Witcher remake is in development. Which one? Yes, Witcher one remake. And I could not be happier about this because I have seen footage of Witcher one, and I do not want to touch that monstrosity. I'm sorry. I'm one of those people. I'm sorry. I'm one of those people who, if a game just looks hard to play, or just in general just looks too ugly, I'm sorry. I've been spoiled for good graphics. Don't (laughs) lambast me. In 2007, I was state of the art. Was yeah. It's not. Are you one of those? Are you one of those people who won't watch black and white movies regardless of how good they are, just because color exists? No, I've seen a couple of black and white films. I mean, I had to watch Psycho at some point. I'm a filmmaker. I've got to watch Psycho. If you do get a chance to play The Witcher 1, though, I highly recommend it. It is. It's a, I mean, the story doesn't really pick up until, like, the last last like hour of the game. But you do get a, a good good backstory into Geralt. And, and when you, you, know, you play Witcher 2 and 3, you kind of know where he's come from. You can... Import your saves as well, uh, yeah. like you, you can for Mass Effect, but they're nowhere near as as uh, as detailed. So there's a couple of questions, you know, a couple of people that might still be alive that will carry through. There might be some decisions that you made that might carry through, but nowhere near as 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 big as Mass Effect did it. The thing is, but, the whole reason I haven't played it yet is because of what you did say, Tim, because you have said this before. But the story doesn't pick up till the end, and I don't really want to commit as much time as I'm sure it is for a Witcher game very long, yeah. Um, before it actually gets good at the very end, but <laughs> if if they are actually remaking it, and at least it will look pretty, then maybe maybe I'll give it a proper go because it will look really nice, and I'll be very interested to see how good it looks because they're remaking it in a whole different engine. They're remaking it in Unreal Engine Five, and I'm quite interested to see how it looks. There's a bunch of free texture mods and stuff you can get to make it look quote-unquote pretty and clean up the combat a little bit. Because I'll admit, my biggest thing wasn't the story. It was the combat was kind of clunky. Um, but, I mean, like people do that for everything. Like, like a Mrs. Cerberus guy's Skyrim installation looks like it came out this year. Like, she has so many texture mods and updates on it. Yeah, I mean, they're sure, I'm sure there's this and that mods for a lot of games, though. But I just... I would like to see what the developers can do first. I mean, now that I know that this is coming, I think I'll just wait for this. Because there's a lot of other games I can play in the meantime. You know, I can probably play The Witcher 3 again because I still haven't done a second playthrough. And And as soon as the remake comes out, I can't wait for them to announce a Witcher 2 remake. That'd be nice as well. I mean, I don't don't mind Witcher 2, but it could look better. I I really like Witcher 2. I think I actually prefer Witcher 2 to to Witcher 3. But does Witcher 2 have a flying horse? If they are re- if they do remake Witcher Two though, please for the love of God improve the map, because the amount of times <laughs> I got lost because the map is useless. It like, is useless. It's just like, oh my God, I got lost so many times, and it got to a point where it was like I just have to memorize exactly where everything is because the map's not going to help me. Um, but yeah, if that's that's one thing that like. It's like Witcher Three doesn't really need that many quality of life improvements, but for the love of God, Witcher Two does. You know, hold on a sec. So, how come you said you're not you're refusing to play Witcher One because it's quote not pretty? But half an hour ago, you said Fable was one of your favorite games ever. They came out the same year, I'm pretty sure. 
yeah, I don't, I haven't actually finished Fable One, <laughs> which is probably like, you know, blasphemy or something. <laughs> but, um, I really like Fable Two, and I thought Fable Three was okay, but um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see Witcher remake and see how much they can change things and how different it will really look in the, you know, the time span of when the first when it originally came out and how much you know technology has changed to see what we're really capable of in comparison it's also nice that they're bringing people back as well and they're collaborating with another studio to you know um make sure that it's done and accurate to the original vision see i'm always a bit wary with with remakes i mean resident evil is a prime example resident evil one they remade it they didn't change anything they just made it look a lot nicer and they added new stuff that made sense and was a originally cut from the the games resident evil about- 2 and 3 they they completely changed it all and and ruined the original story so now you've got a game that looks really nice but just isn't as good as the original game i hope which is it's a bit of a, a strange one because i'd like it to be looking pretty and maybe the story could be tightened up and and maybe expanded on a bit more but at the same time, I don't want them to run the risk of, of ruining it because it is a good experience. When you're talking about Resident Evil 1, do you mean the 2001 GameCube update or the 2015 remake? Uh, there's, there's only the, the one. The, the version was the, the remake. Obviously, you've got your HD version on top yeah, of that. Yeah, and then the remaster was the 2015. The actual one. remake of the original game is the, the GameCube one. Yeah, but I thought... I agree with you on two and three, but I thought for the first game, it was an improvement because there's so much more yeah, the content. Original PlayStation version, which all the blocky, really, really cheesy. That game uh, had legendary game. voice acting, though. And then you've got the GameCube one, which is very pretty, very detailed. I can't believe you didn't appreciate the voice acting in the 1996 Resident Evil. <laughs> Message coming in. Patching it through. How did we miss this? Exactly. The council will be furious. Although they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance. Perhaps was the most daring fit. Last week, back into last week was N7 Day, as of time of recording. And in that, we got a bit of an audio clip we've got a, a new poster uh what else did we get what did we get well what didn't we get tim we got a big old um transmission which people decoded and we got this little um sort of relay type thing with this little um designation in the corner as well that the yeah. whole community kind of tore to shreds and sort of solved it all within the first 24 hours. Yeah, I'll admit I missed the 314 nod. I I think they were trying to get people to think, oh, it's it's going to be set in the first contact war. And the Bowie thing, you know, going through the three, you know, the Relay 314 or attempting to before 
the Torians stopped them. So I think that kind of ties in together, but I don't actually, which I suppose would be a way of them getting around the ending. They could do a time jump, I suppose, couldn't they? The whole game could be based around the first contact war. And then you do a time jump to later on in Andromeda, and that's where Liara comes into it. I don't think it would make any sense, though, to to the to the message, though the hidden message. No, no, that's because, true. Because in the hidden message, Liara is talking to a Geth, and you know that just that wouldn't happen in that time period. No, she Could would be. still be an archaeologist, wouldn't she? She would be on some remote planet somewhere. Not... And the Geth and the Geth would just be some hostile race that kicked yeah. the Corians off from the galaxy. Well, the galaxy knows. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is um, the first contact war was twenty fifty seven, and then Mass Effect One's twenty six years later, and the Geth never even leave the Perseus Vale until that twenty one eighty three. But I do remember in a video that you released, Tim, you mentioned. Um, the whole theory about Liara being the villain and how the, the transmission supports that. I think you said that, didn't you? Yeah. And yeah, it was the heavy emphasis on the human defiance. It's like, that's that's the angry Liara speaking there. Mm. It's almost, to me, it's, you know, it's that one of those kind of, when you're watching a TV show and... I was like, oh, I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids. That kind of. Yeah. Oh, I would have gotten, you know, I would have destroyed that planet if it wasn't for that human defiance. That kind of. They are making an amazing Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> but I agree with you 100% that she's definitely angry in the clip. But I think the opposite, whereas I think she's mad at the council because they've been mistreating humanity and treating like second-class citizens for so long and now presumably it's caused Shepard and all her friends to die. I don't know. That's the way I interpreted it. It's quite possible, actually. Um, there was a, a comment on one of the, on the video. You know the symbol in the bottom corner that uh, I pointed out? The kind of the logo Apparently, if you play Mass Effect 1, that logo is in and around that Citadel, which I can't remember actually ever seeing. So I'm going to have to have a look at check that out. But apparently on like the the banners and stuff yeah, in Mass Effect 1, if you walk around the Citadel, you can actually see that, that same logo. So it might not be a human propaganda poster. It might be a Citadel, like a Citadel Council propaganda poster. Maybe it's the Blasto logo. <laughs> Well, if it is a Citadel propaganda poster, then Liara allying with the Geth, like having the Shadow Broker and the Geth on the same side, that might be cause for the Citadel to be worried. You know, that maybe not, maybe not a full-blown war, but there might be some conflict. I don't know. Yeah, those those people saying it might not actually be the humans that are the having like a civil war. It might be that like humans versus the Council, the Council races. With the council leading, like the them as sort of separatist sort of thing, which, if you think about it, it was humans that that warned about sovereign and the you know the um, 
the Reaper attack on the Citadel. It was humans that warned about Saren, their prized spectre going rogue. It was humans that saved, that destroyed Sovereign. It was humans that, that saved the galaxy at the end of Mass Effect 3. Technically, it's humans that are now the dominant species in the galaxy, which I don't think the Torians or the Asari are going to appreciate. They're not going to like that. So, if they were to take a risk like that, I would really respect them. But I don't really think that they will. I, I, as much as I would love them to, I think they're going to play it too safe because of how Andromeda was received. And Andromeda was only received by like 20 angry people on Twitter. Most sensible people who gave the game a fair shot thought it was pretty good. I, I think when people, I think I think it did the, the 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 rage of it did kind of die down eventually. But I do think, I do think it was, if it was just six people, they wouldn't have cancelled all the future updates. I mean, you'd be surprised what people would do on how much. I've seen people get into trouble because, like, what one account that has two followers will tweet something nasty about them, and everyone's so afraid of pissing off Twitter that you'd be surprised how little you need to do to get rocks moved but, i mean like even like as far as andromeda goes like even angry joe said it was a seven or an eight and he hates everything <laughs> there's somebody complaining on twitter earlier um how that andromeda characters that you just didn't you couldn't fall in love with andromeda characters like you could with with the original characters and somebody shot back at them saying you had three games to fall in love with those characters you had one with andromeda which is i still think for the most part the characters are pretty well written i mean like pb's adorable i absolutely melted my heart liam's a dude bro i love him i mean like they're not i can't really think of anyone that are like hated anyway should we should can we get back to uh the other Mass Effect game that's coming out eventually. Uh, the speculation. Yes. Yes. So, um, um, well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, technically it was all tied in, wasn't it? We expected speculating that the uh, the council might actually be the enemy in the next game. Yeah. Um. I, I, I do think it's a really cool idea. But can I also just say the idea of Liara working with a Geth or having a Geth-like sidekick? Like, you know, a a, a, a much older Liara with a Geth sidekick sounds awesome to me. Well, presumably it's not just a Geth, it's a large number of them. It could be, but it could... If they were going to take a route of, um, you know, like a Dragon Age route, just separating itself from a lot of major events to avoid, you know embracing all of the choices of three and saying one is canon they could just say oh like this is one geth maybe all the others are extinct maybe they're all around it depends what if it's not actually set after the end of the game because there's going to be a big period in between mass effect one and mass effect two isn't there when shepherd's dead or with cerberus what if it's not because they're not going to want to upset people by by making a canon ending, are they? 
because it's going to set, upset people no matter what. But then why did they show a clip during N7 Day of a new relay? Because that could be the relay that... Oh, no, they didn't build a relay to go to Andromeda, did they? But I think that's what they're this is. Arcs off. I think I think that's what this new relay is, though. I think it's a relay to tie this new game into Andromeda and potentially bring some of those characters from Andromeda to, you know, the Milky Way. Yeah, maybe. Where's the other relay? Because, I mean, do you think, say, it's sometime in Mass Effect 2, so it's like, I don't know, 2185, who would have the technology to even make a relay? I mean, those are, the Reapers did those, and it's, they're not things you can just, most people don't even know how they work. Yeah, but if you look at the relay picture, it doesn't look like it was. It, it looks it looks different enough. It, to me, it looks like it was built by humans. Yeah, it looks like a Cerberus design, to be honest. Also, if you're right, that would be like the literal first thing the Reapers would blow up when they came back. Not if they didn't know about it. If it's not connected into the relay network, because that's what they used to do, wasn't it? They would, they would go to the Citadel first so that they got access to all of the relays. I feel like that would be a pretty big thing to keep under wraps and have no one talk about. The, the, um, the Protheans kept the conduit under wraps, didn't they? Reapers didn't know about that backdoor. Yeah, well, that's because 10 guys did a thing and then killed themselves. No one knew about it. <laughs> but the, the monument on the Citadel was a, re was a, a relay. Yeah, that's true. Although so I wonder, it's, it's now that I think about that, I wonder how did that work? Because normally when you go... Like, when you go to the Citadel, first of all, like, when you use that relay, it's in a Mako, not a ship. And secondly, when everyone goes, like, this, when everyone goes to the Citadel, even in the third, second and third game, when they know it's a relay, you still have to go to, like, the Citadel relay and then make, like, the little flyover to the Citadel itself. Yeah. Well, they're not going to just let people just fly straight through the monument relay, are they? I guess, yeah, that would be kind of stupid. <laughs> so but yeah it's just got me thinking because i really don't think they'll they'll want to open up old wounds where they're going to upset people about the ending because that's the amount of grief they got about that ending i mean yeah, you can't but... you can't talk about mass effect 3 without somebody getting you know upset about the ending of it yeah but tim literally in the uh, mass effect will return trailer they said everything in that trailer has meaning, right? And literally at the beginning, you have all of these destroyed relays. I mean, what else could have caused that destruction other than the Mass Effect 3 ending? Oh, you blew up a relay in two. Yeah. Just one relay, though. There was multiple in that trailer. That's very true, actually. Has, has either of you seen the ending of Better Call Saul? 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 I've seen a couple episodes, but not the ending. See, I've, I've, I've watched the first couple of seasons, but I kind of lost interest. But what they did with that is because it's set after the end of Breaking Bad, where you don't know if Walter Walter White lived or died because he shot, got shot at, you know, shot himself or got shot at the very end of Breaking Bad. But that series is set before and after the end of Breaking Bad. But I don't know how they they got around answering the question or not. So, but they might be using that kind of 
right, we'll set some of the game before the ending and we'll set some of the game after the ending and we won't fall into the trap of making a, an ending definitive. So you'll, you'll never know what the actual ending to Mass Effect 3 canonically is because you can choose it yourself. Well, you would kind of know, though, because, I mean, like, the three endings, as much as people joked that they were just, it was the same ending with different Instagram filters. I mean, there's pretty big changes happen, depending on which one you pick. I mean, it could be something, something like you you spend the first half of the game, I mean, it's a completely out there now but you can spend like the first half of the game is set between mass effect one and mass effect two and they're, they're building this relay and then you spend the next part of the game liara is looking for this relay that was built 100 years ago you don't actually meet anybody else so you don't know what's happened in the galaxy between that time and she's looking at it to get to andromeda or something and then you go through, she goes through to Andromeda and then the game picks up in Andromeda. So it kind of skips that middle bit. But you'll see it being built and you'll play a big part of that or I don't know. I really just don't think they're going to give you a definitive answer on that ending. And I think they're going to do something crafty with the next game that, that mitigates all of that. And then either gets us back to Andromeda or, yeah, I'm waffling now. Mm. <laughs> they they did also say that there was some meaning in the fact that in that trailer it moved away from Andromeda and into the Milky Way. So they said that there was some meaning in that. I think Mike Gamble also put on a on Twitter uh, because in reality the Andromeda Galaxy and the Milky Way Galaxy is going to collide at some point in like millions of years or something. But he actually put on Twitter the the two galaxies colliding. And then again said, this has meaning. So it, it, I would say it's like when worlds collide sort of thing. So. But anyway, um, one thing I was thinking, though, was, sorry to sort of you turn a little bit, but um, the whole human defiance thing to me screams that they are going to go like real fan service and as much as, I really don't want it to happen. I think it means that they are going to bring Shepard back. Oh, they, you should not underestimate human defiance. It, it sounds to me, like as much as I don't want to say it or admit it, um, somebody is doing something, maybe Liara, that goes against the Council's wishes, doing something inhumane to bring back Shepard somehow. Oh, like a like a undead. Maybe not to the extent zombie. of like making him a zombie. <laughs> but well, he was technically undead in the second. He or she, yeah. sorry. But just something that's really goes against, you know, the council's laws or something, or maybe something involving AI, because they have got AI restrictions and whatever. But, um, yeah. Do you think they're going to go to make her, like, full war criminal? I don't know. Maybe there's some collaboration with a human organization. And 
I don't know, Geth to create a, an AI human or something based on Shepard's template. I don't know. Well, Possibly. Terra Firma's still in. I don't think they were ever destroyed. One thing's for sure, though. I don't think we're going to see like a Return of the Reapers or like a galaxy-ending threat. I think they're going to tone it down a bit. Have more of a... a less of a threat sort of thing. Yeah, I think the way forward is to make... is, is, to, is to go the Dragon Age Origins route and, you know, make a very... or even the Saren route, kind of, and just make a really human, like... um empathetic villain you know one you can really understand and really yeah even side with in one yeah. scenario that's what the best villains are is like they, they they're doing the wrong things but for the right reasons so you kind of you understand why they're doing it and you it makes stopping them that much harder because you might agree with them that makes mm. sense i just really i know i've said it before and i don't want to kick at that horse but i really don't want to see shepherd or like anybody from the original games. I mean, we're now we're seeing Liara. So. Well, it's like I said, anyone who's, I hope anyone who's not either a Krogan, a Geth, or an Asari better bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm right with you there, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, you can't keep dragging them back. But they'll try, Tim. It's like that Simpsons meme where it's like, just stop, he's already dead. It's like the Marvel movies, no one's ever really dead. <laughs> was it Tim, I think, said, I forgot what we were talking about, but like, if I don't see a body, they're not dead? Yeah. That's it. If you don't see a body, it's not guaranteed, is it? Do we have any further speculation on that in seven day? I hope they take a risk and make Liara a villain. Like again, I'm sure they could make her sympathetic, but having to stop her would be even if you didn't romance her. I think, and even I think even the people who thought she was clingy and and didn't like her still kind of would feel bad that they'd have to go now go kill her or or whatever. Also, it's five billion years, Tim, not a couple million, when the two galaxies hit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, is that around that area? I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. Obviously, if, if the listeners have any questions, then Discord, you can always come and ask us directly in the Discord. Ooh, shameless pug there. Details are in the show notes. That was the most unenthusiastic plug I've ever heard, Tim. <laughs> if you want to, it's in Discord. Yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Okay, so we'll move on to the main topic of the podcast, and this is the rise of the Krogan. I'm going to read a little bit from the wiki just to get everybody up to speed, and then we'll 
pass it off for our thoughts on the matter. Uh, so the Krogan were liberated from their primitive state by the Salarians, who culturally lift, uplifted the race by giving their advanced technology and relocating them to a planet not cursed with lethal levels of radiation, toxins, or deadly predators. The Salarians even gave the Krogan the means to stabilize Tachunka's atmosphere by means of a shroud. But the Salarian intervention was not without ulterior motive. At the time, the Council was engaged in a prolonged galactic war with the Ragni, a race of intelligent space-faring insects. The Salarians hoped the Krogan would join the Citadel forces as soldiers to stand against the otherwise unstoppable foe. The plan worked to perfection. Within two generations, the rapidly breeding Krogan had the numbers not only to drive back the advancing Rachni, but the ability to endure the harsh conditions of the Rachni worlds. They were able to pursue them to their home worlds, find the Rachni queens, and eradicate the entire species. So, Craig, was it a good idea? I'm really on the fence about it, to be honest. You know, you, you obviously you have like um, if you think really far ahead into the future, you know they um, they did obviously succeed, and you know the whole plan worked, and they did wipe out the Rachni. But I mean, in in I don't know, you know, you 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 even look at Rex. You know, you go far enough into the future after during the Reaper War and everything, and you think you know the Genophage is cured, everything's fine. But I mean, something that you yourself, Manning, said, you know, you can't predict how the Krogan are all going to act and that Rex isn't really going to be their leader forever. And I think the main thing is, you know, even with Rex as the leader, inevitably they are, I think, going to start another war. And I think it's a case of, would there have been a better alternative, in my opinion? You know, would is there a better way of, would there have been a better way of dealing with the Rachni? I mean, um, like, I've had this discussion before, and, like, I love Rex, and I love Eve, and I just think, like, when you play, like, not to kick a dead horse, but when you play Mass Effect 2, and you just walk around Tachanka, literally every Krogan to a person hates Rex and the nicest thing anyone says about him is the the mechanic who's just like well whatever we'll just see what happens and if this screws up then we'll just kill him and then we'll see who has the next best plan I'm just saying that's not an ideal way to move forward <laughs> yeah so are you very much on the they shouldn't have been uploaded uplifted in the first place kind of thing no well it's just like again yes first of all and it's mostly because of what morden says when he says that you know like you wouldn't give nuclear weapons to cavemen because they wouldn't know what to do it's just the krogan were rushed too quickly they weren't able to develop and like morden mentions you know their, their poetry and song and wisdom and everything else in between all these things they missed out on because the salarians just fast-tracked them 
It does make you wonder if they would have been a completely different race if they weren't given dangerous weapons to play with <laughs> so early on. Well, to be fair, they already had the technology. Tachunka is, was lying in ruin not because of, of what the Solarians did, it was because what they did to themselves. I mean, humans have caused nuclear destruction to themselves in the past as well. And I want to very quickly, specifically say, I don't necessarily hate them for doing that. I mean, like, sometimes you just have to do something. So, yes, they nuked their world into oblivion. But as much as I dislike the Krogan as a whole, I understand why they did it. And again, I love Rex and I love Eve. I just don't think their reign's going to last very long. Don't you think it's a pra- it was a practical decision? You know, it was a you know at the time it made sense to you know wipe out the Ragnar. I might get some heat for this, but I actually don't think anything the Ragnar did was wrong. I think it was more the fault of the Salarians for being like, oh my god, we unleashed this thing and now we need to uplift the Krogan. It's like, have you seen the Alien movies? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, do you blame the Aliens for what they do? No, because of course you don't, because they're just doing what they do. You you blame the humans and whoever else for putting yourself in that position in the first place. I mean, I think in the alien films, you blame the corporation that made them investigate the vessel in the first place. That's still not the alien. Yeah. Very true. But at the same time, you can't say that you wanted the Rachni to win, though, can you? No, I 100% don't want the Rachni to win. But at the same time, I also don't want them extinct. And at the also, also, I think they're still worth investigating. It's just, I think the whole thing was, I really, really want to use a swear word right now, but I won't. But I just think the at the root cause was just messed up. So if they didn't upload uplift the Krogan, how would they have stopped the overwhelming force of the Ragnai? Lots of Turians and Batarians. Yeah, but they were already like losing quite badly to the Ragnai, weren't they? Yeah, but if the difference between a victory and a defeat was literally a bunch of what were essentially Neanderthal aliens, I mean you were probably going to lose anyway. It was the fact that the Krogan could reproduce it quickly, I think, that gave them the numbers. Yeah, yeah, that would be... And they're a, a war-mongering species as well, aren't they? So their battle is in their blood. Yeah. Because the question is, like... Say say if it was a different race, say, you know, the, the Yarg, for example. Like, what if the Yarg didn't, like, get you know, barred from interaction with other races and just with 
other planets in general, like, do you think they would have been as effective and potentially less dangerous? Well, I think the average Yogg is like more than twice the size of an average Krogan, so probably yes. But at the same time, would they have caused more or less of a problem than the Krogan? Well, I think it would have been less because the Yogg reproduce at quote unquote normal rates, whereas uh, the Krogan breed like rabbits. It almost kind of brings me back to the point I made on the stream last week where I asked Tim, or sorry, not the stream, um, the last podcast, where I asked Tim and I said, if we were doing a top five least favorite Dragon Age list characters, character list, would stand beyond because it's almost like I don't want to say Javik is exactly the same as the Krogan, but there's there's a lot of similarities there, and it's just and I know the Knari are completely different, and that's a completely different franchise, but I just feel like there's certain things there that just line up or match up or whatever you want to say. I await your dressing down to <laughs> I don't I don't really know what to say. Do you think say the council didn't ban AI? Say you know they, they realized the potential for the geth a lot sooner. Do you think the geth would have been more effective and potentially less dangerous? I think honestly, the not counting the heretics because obviously they're crazy, but I honestly think like the normal geth are like as much as Tim likes to just call them machines and his vacuum cleaner and whatever, they're real people with real concerns and real things that they worry about. And they should yes, be. Don't worry about things. They're machines. No, but no, they they have things they worry about, and they have things in their lives, like day to day stuff, that's important to them. Um, do they? Do they really? Yes. <laughs> I mean, they don't really have to worry about brushing their teeth. No. To be fair, I often don't do that. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> but I mean, like, the Geth, yes, the heretics are the heretics. And you know what? Even furthermore, the heretics have legitimate reasons for why they must trust organics because they don't exactly have the best um, relationship. Whereas the regular Geth, they just want to be left alone and just be allowed to be themselves. And I mean, like, who are you to tell them what is or is not a life experience? They're just as entitled to life as we are. So are you kind but, of saying that forcing them into 
or is just immoral in general, you know, like the Quicken? No, like, yeah, forcing anything into anything is immoral. The Geth are their own independent people. The Krogan are their all, also their own independent people. They should be allowed to make decisions for themselves. What are you going to say, Tim? I was going to say, it's kind of uh, getting a little bit off track. I mean, what your original question was that, would the Geth help, do you think, with the Rachni? That was my question. I honestly think that if it came down to it, even though they were restricted behind the Perseus veil, if it came down to it, the Geth would have helped because, I mean, like the Rachni were going to take over everything. And even the Geth would have been logical enough to say, okay, we need to stop this. So are you saying that they flat out shouldn't have uplifted the Krogan because the Geth would have at some point stepped in? I am saying that the Krogan should not have been uplifted. I can't talk, sorry. But are you saying that the Geth would have stepped in? Is that what you're saying? I guess at that point, yes, the Geth, even the heretics as much as they hated organics would have been like okay the rachni are getting out of control we need to like intervene here i know i'm going to catch i know i'm going to catch a lot of flack for this but again i just think the krogan are kind of useless as a species and i feel like they're just shoehorned into everything In what way? Well, it's just like in Mass Effect 1, Rex is kind of just like dumped on you and you're like, oh, okay, here's this big 800-pound psychopath. And I mean, admittedly, he does have redeeming qualities. Don't get me wrong. But then in it's like they double down in Mass Effect 2 where Grunt is literally useless he does nothing he offers nothing and even you said in our least favorite um podcast top five podcast that dr okir would have been infinitely more interesting it's just like the krogan it's they're just big goofy whatever like the none of them offer anything the amount of stuff Rex offers is minimal at best. I mean, I guess I kind of like them. Eve is cool, but they're just big, goofy goofballs. I mean, for lack of a better word. Didn't you say like 10 minutes ago that you loved Eve and Rex, though? I said, I, yes, okay, I did like Eve and Rex, as far as Krogan go. But I'm just saying, if they weren't in the game, you would lose nothing. And my people, we're just collateral damage to you. 
I mean, technically in, in Mass Effect 1, you can you don't have to recruit Rex. You can just not recruit him at all. And you can kill him. It's not really dumped on you, I suppose. No, I know. But I mean, it's like if you don't do that, then there's the whole thing with Barlavon. And yes, I know you don't need to recruit him. And believe me, I've done it multiple times where if you don't even you you can basically kick him off and force him to just wait at Korra's den for forever and then just never talk to him again. It's just, but I mean, it's just, they build, like, they, it just, it feels like they want the Krogan to be this big, epic thing. And for me, it just doesn't really do anything. I mean, like, yes, I like Rex. I like Eve. The... um, I don't necessarily particularly want their species to die, but at the same time, I also don't like them and I don't get why everyone loves them so much. And I apologize in advance. I feel like the, I'm not going to, I feel like I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this should be your catchphrase or is your catchphrase at this point. You know what? There, there you go. Tim, if you put that on a t-shirt, I will buy it. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'm just, I can't be the only one. Like, as much as Rex is cool and I like Eve, they're both, I can't stand their species. I mean, they're both individually are cool, but I can't stand their species. And I think it's very telling, again, not to kick a dead horse, but that you can convince Morden to not cure the genophage by if Rex is dead by just being like, do you really think the Krogan deserve a cure? And he'll be like, eh, no. And then I'm just like, exactly. Just can you actually convince Rex of that though? No, if if Rex is dead, or sorry, if Rex or Eve are dead, you can talk Morden out of curing the genophage. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean now. Yeah. And it's the same thing as like, I know Tim is going to yell at me because he thinks they're quote unquote machines, but I'm going to die on this hill. The Geth (laughs) are more worthy of saving than the Krogan. I think the Krogan need to be controlled. I think what the Salarians did were right. I know that's, that's, quite controversial in itself. So that's on what side of it you sit on then, Tim? <laughs> but I mean well I mean that's that that's for their own good. Keep them alive as a species rather than than breeding at an exponential rate and causing more war or wiping out the galaxy or wiping themselves out. But whether to choose the Krogan over the Geth? Probably not. Because although the, the, the Geth are sentient, they, they are still machines, and machines can be broken. They're people. Machines. They're people. Machines. People. <laughs> and I will say, if I may interject really quick here, just to clarify what Craig mentioned before um i love rex and eve 
as individuals, but I hate the Krogan. Those are two different things. Do you think... Also the Gether people. <laughs> do, do, do you think you would like the Krogan more if they had become, you know, like, from from what I can gather, there are, you know, Krogan like Eve among their people and you know if they were given more time to develop as a species like you know if they become a wiser or intelligent species do you think you would have liked them more? Possibly I just think that the way they're done is just like they're giant children that just run around and act on impulse and they have no instinct on anything other and it it's so stupid like the the beginning of mass effect 3 like as much as i love rex as again as an as an individual and not a krogan he pisses me off because he holds the entirely the entire galaxy hostage while you're like okay well we need he wants a genophage cure and I mean, like, okay, sure, fine, whatever, I get it. You want that. But, I mean, at the same time, he should also be smart enough to know that you'd be like, okay, well, Rex, we're going to do this. But at the same time, mi- tens of millions of Torians are dying every day on Palavin. Do you think you maybe might want to send a couple troops just to help? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just a little bit of an olive branch. Yeah, it does pick a a, a, a bad time to uh, set some demands. But I suppose, in his defence, can you trust the word? He'll sort it out afterwards, and he knows that that you need the troops and you need their support now, right now. Yeah, but I mean, the you also have to consider that. The genophage was not created because the Salarians and Turians were like, LOL, we hate the Krogan. I mean, it was created out of necessity. And you would think that Rex, of all people, would be intelligent enough to be like, okay, yeah, my people kind of, again, I don't want to use a bad word, but um, my people kind of screwed up. And now we're going to try to make it right. And you'd think that they, again, a bit of an olive branch. So we're, we're you, guessing you're, you're sitting on on um, on the the side of the Krogans should have been left alone, and they should have found another way to to stop the Rachni. Pretty much, yeah. Like I said, again. Not to kick a dead horse, but I love Rex and Eve as individuals, but I hate the Krogan. I suppose another thing is as well, if the if the Krogan weren't involved or weren't uplifted, would they have survived until the next cycle? You know, had the Reapers wiped out everyone. You know. If the Reapers had succeeded and wiped out Humans, Turians, Sari, etc. Would they have left the Krogan alone? The Krogan one uplifted, uplifted. I would probably 
hand to lean towards yes, but that's a very valid question. I was also very interested in what you said, Tim, about how the Solarians what moved the Krogan to another planet, because I didn't know about that. Yeah, well, then they kind of gave them like a, a new place to live, but then they wanted more after the the um, after the war with the Ratni. They wanted like the neighboring planets as well, and they they, they already had like Salarians and Asari on, on them. And they was like, no, 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 we don't want any more. And they said, look, you know, this planet's not big enough for us. We want more. <laughs> and so that's how the uh, the rebellion started, because they just kind of went in and went, right, okay, well, we're settling here now as well. And so the council said, uh, no, you're not. That's, that's not your planet. We've given you a planet. Yeah. I suppose I'm I'm not saying that I'm siding with Manning, but if you think about it, I guess if they were allowed to continue to breed, like when would it stop? You know? Even if they weren't just rebelling, they still produce children at such a crazy rate. Did you just what about us and me? <laughs> Did I just what? What aboutism? What aboutism? Uh, never mind. <laughs> I quite like the Krogan. I like I say, as long as you know, it's unfortunate that their species kind of grows at such a, an exponential rate. Because if it was kind of more in line with with the rest of the galaxy, they, they wouldn't really have a problem. I suppose they wouldn't be known as um, the great fighters that they are, is because they they can replenish their numbers so quickly. And you know, I mean, yeah, you know, they are tough and hardy and stuff. But yeah, it, it, I think that's their only only flaw, really, is is the fact that if they wanted to, and you know, before the Genophage, they could have actually conquered the galaxy. They could have they could have wiped everybody out. They couldn't. The Torians and the Salarians, they couldn't stand against them, could they? So the genophage was a, a last resort sort of thing for them. No, and I mean, and that's exactly why I think, like, if you want to have an argument with me that the Krogan are hard done by, then sure, fine, whatever. I probably won't agree with you, but I'll at least listen. But I mean, if you want to talk about actually interesting characters, the Batarians are so much more interesting. And I would love so much more if there was more info on Karshan and Aratot and everywhere else. It's just, I think the Batarians are far more interesting than Krogan. Sorry. End of statement. I know that was kind of a bit of a tangent. I'm, I apologize. I was going to say, uh, Craig, you you agree? You're 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 on the the side of they shouldn't have been uplifted. Yeah, I can't. I just can't help but think that, like, I really, I really am on the fence because practically it does make sense to just for the benefit of 
the galaxy you know how many people have to die before you know a, a, a sentient race of machines like the geth step in for example like you know it had to get it would have to get to a point where they were certain that they'd have to step in for them to actually step in i guess but as I said, how many people would have to die before it gets to that point? But the other side of it is, I just can't help but think about how, you know, the Krogan needed to learn all of those hard lessons about discipline, I guess. Um, and, you know, them just being subjected to their own planet and making those mistakes with the technology they have at the time, rather than, you know, giving them as 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 you said manning you know children dangerous weapons and things um how do you feel about the geth while feel, we're on the topic well you know i feel like as you do you know the, the geth have evolved and are, are essentially people they, they are the geth people they, yeah they they think and they feel and they have independent thought okay so then if hypothetically the geth had intervened to stop the rachni i mean would you how would you feel about that i would be very happy with that my my main concern though was you know if they were actually going to intervene why didn't they you know before things got too out of hand yeah because they Humanity, or not humanity, um, organics treated them like dirt for forever, and they hid behind the Perseus veil. But I'm just saying, if hypothetically, if the Salarians hadn't uplifted the Krogan, and then the Geth were forced to intervene, I wonder then how Tim would think about this vacuum cleaner. I bet you're thinking a lot better about your vacuum now, aren't you, Tim? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's just there's a lot of moral arguments there as well about the Salarians are essentially playing God by you know forcing a species to advance on a level that they did because they're given the technology that they had or, or that they have. You know, they're essentially playing reaper if you want to use it not to nitpick but how is that any different than what the quarians did with the geth let me ask you this not to get off on too much of a soapbox but as much as i know how much you love tally when you do the geth server mission in mass effect 3 can you honestly look me in the eye and say you come out of it thinking that the Corians are good guys? No. I know, I know that they, they're not the good guys in that situation. But I guess, in a way, the Corians are playing God by creating a sentient race of machines. But... Okay, at least I will give you credit for at least admitting that together people. Tim still thinks they aren't. But that's a bridge we'll cross at another day. But I think it there's there's a difference between playing God and like creating a new species and playing God and 
you know, affecting the evolution of an existing species, you know? Do you not think that the Geth were supremely, I don't even know what the right word is, that they had the Corians dead to rights, but they were like, you know what? We're not going to kill them because we don't know, like, the impact of executing an entire species would have on the galaxy. So we're just going to let them go. Whereas the Quarians had the roles been reversed, I almost 100% guarantee you would not have afforded them the same uh, courtesy. Also, I'm also aware that we're no longer talking about the Krogan. <laughs> yeah, got a well, bit I of was, tangents. I was, I, was, I was trying to tie it back to the plain god thing. That's, probably, that's how we got here. The Gether people and the Quarians are wrong. Yes, the Gether people, but I'm just saying, I feel like the way that we got to this point was the Silurians are playing God by advancing the Krogan, and in a similar way, the Quarians are playing God. I think those are kind of two different things, because I will, you know, I honestly, I have no idea why the Dalatras gets so much hate. Because literally everything she does is strictly for the benefit of her people. Like, again, yes, okay, fine. I like Rex. I like Eve. Blah, blah, blah. But the Krogan are violent warmongers. And everything the Dalatras does is just in defense of her people. I fully support everything she does, and I don't know why that's a renegade decision. But yeah, do you guys think that the Yarg, for example, would have been a better option? I honestly think the Yarg were super interesting, and I just wanted to know more about them. It's kind of how the same way, like how I wish I knew more about the Batarians. Like, they're super evil, racist, whatever. And but you literally you don't even they're one of the only main races of the game where you don't even know what the capital city of their planet is. It's just like I would love to know more about the Petarians. I don't care that they're racist slavers. I just find them interesting. And I apologize if that makes me terrible. Apology accepted, Manning. <laughs> Okay, so I'm on the side of the fence that it was the right thing to do for the Kurgan to be uplifted, uh, to stop. Manning, you said that you think it was the wrong idea? I think it was wrong because I think if worse came to worse, the Geth would have intervened. And Craig? I I think... You know what, I'm going to have to have moved on to one side at some point in this conversation. And I think I think I'm going to say that the Krogan shouldn't have been uplifted because I feel like natural, I think evolution should have progressed naturally for them and I think I don't know, I mean like like, like we said, the, the whole Geth thing, I do feel like 
I, I do feel like the Geth would have intervened intervened at some point. Although, because 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 the Geth were kind of being controlled, or at least a good portion of them being controlled by Sovereign. So, only the heretics. Yeah, but okay. all the rest were inside one unit, weren't they? So it's not a unanimous verdict. So we are going to need some listener input for this. So let us know. Come join the Discord. There will be a link in the show notes. Come join the Discord. Tell us what you think. Should the Krogan been uplifted or should they have been left in peace on their barren, deserted world? So big thank you to Manning. You can follow him on Twitter on... At that Cerberus guy. And big thank you to Craig. You can follow him on Twitter on... At Craig and his Mac. And my name's Tim, or you can follow me on Twitter at Ploppy54. There will be a link in the Discord, for the Discord, in the show notes. Come check us out there, uh, where we can chat about everything Mass Effect related and Gethby Machine related, and also uh, anything else that you want to chat about. So, The Gether people. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say. I don't know, I mean, it's not one of those things where you could say, right, so we've came to the conclusion that this is the definite answer. No. Maybe we need the listeners to tell us what they think. That's a good idea. What we need is the listeners to tell you that the Geth are people, first of all. (laughs) We're not talking about the Geth. I don't even know how we got stuck on this, but... First of all, the Gether people and the Krogan should have been uplifted. We need the, the listen we need the listeners to tell Manning that the Krogan are people. The Krogan are people, but they're stupid people who should not have been uplifted. I think my all time favorite D D character, now that you got me thinking about it, was I made a half elf and he was a bard and a rogue, and he's basically like a spy. And in D D there's things where you, like if you give yourself a negative somewhere you can have a perk somewhere else so because he was a bard I took a plus five um, to my perform skill so I, because obviously that's important as a bard and then when I rolled my d100 to see what my negative would be I got an addiction and then I rolled on the addiction table and I got an addiction to sex so the thing was like if he you permanently have plus five to his perform but if he went more than 24 hours without getting laid, then he'd get like a minus 10 to his perform. And the way he died was he was at this like CD pirate bar. And I tried to find like an escort, but I rolled a one. So I couldn't find anyone to sleep with. So I'm like trying to ask the DM. I'm like, well, can I like, can he run upstairs and like quickly rub on out? And he's like, roll, roll. And then I rolled another one. And then he ended up getting killed by the pirates because his music was shit. <laughs> oh my God. So, so your character's dandelion, basically. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> In all my years of playing D&D, like 30 years, never expected to ever have to ask a DM, a DM if I could roll to see if my character could masturbate. <laughs> I don't understand in what scenario you just can't. <laughs>
I don't know. Like, I rolled a one, so that's an automatic fail. I think he said something about like I was too chafed or something. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is bad. <laughs> Someone sabotaged his penis. No. 